usually say, whatsoever things were written aforetime was written for our learning that we through patience and comforts of the scripture might have hope. It's through the scriptures we have patience, comfort, and hope, knowing that what God did for them in the Old Testament times and New Testament times, he able to do for us in these times. Come on and clap your hands and tell the Lord thank you. Whew. Okay. If I were to ask you, a, I honor everybody, my lovely wife, Dr. James, um, hmm, and you, you, and you. Fast forwarding, if I were to ask you a question this morning, uh, and it's rhetorical, you don't have to answer it, it's, you know, you might think of Sunday school, weeknight Bible study, seminary question, practical question, theological question, and that question would be, what are the two pillars of the Christian life? What are the two pillars of life? Now, I know a lot of answers are running through your, through your mind, uh, but I will tell you for, for the time's sake, the two pillars, and I know what you're thinking, love, and right, but you're, you're in the ballpark, but the two pillars of life, particularly the Christian life, though there is no dichotomy because Jesus is our life, right? Uh, the Christ is our life, is number one, relationships. The, the greatest relationship in all of existence is the unity of the diversity of the community of the Trinity. They get along, why can't we? The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost teach us how to be the same but different. Now, I, I, I want to explain that, but I can't. Ask me after church. Uh, number two, uh, in case you were thinking, is doctrine. Doctrine, teaching, why? Ask me why. Because uh, the three aspects of God's word is spoken, God said, and let there be. Second is written. Forty authors over a 1,500, 1,600 year period wrote by way of the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And thirdly, Jesus is the living word of God. He is walking doctrine. Translation, people say it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know. And two things can be true at the same time, is who and what you know. Translation, you can know computers and want, in, and want to get into uh, the White House so bad, but you don't know nobody. You know the what, the computers, but you don't have any connections. Flip it over. You know everybody in the White House, but you don't know computers. You placate that you know computers. So it's who and what you know. So put that in your front pocket, not your back pocket. Put it in the front of your head, not the back of your head. The two pillars of life is relationship and doctrine. We're talking about good doctrine, as Solomon said and Jesus said. So this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this subject, 
The five stages of a relationship with God. Really, these five stages of a relationship with God are also one way or another lived out in a relationship with our fellow humans. Dr. James, do you have proof for the truth? Yes, because before Adam and Eve sinned, there were four major relationships that were in perfect harmony that became disharmonized, uh, maybe bad English, good point, disharmonized after they sinned. And that is our relationship with God, our relationship within ourselves, our relationship with each other, and the culture and environment. No wonder <clears throat> Dr. Luke said that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost and the who is in the that, those relationships. Thank God for Apostle Paul when he picked up the pen and said God was in Christ reconciling himself back to the world and have given you and I the ministry and word of reconciliation. Clap your hands for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Some people don't believe in clapping your hands. I hate to hurt your feelings. I'm, I'm a former boxer, grew up in North Philly. I'm bold. But you're out of order if you don't worship God and praise God. That's emotionalism. First of all, it's more than a redemptive response. Okay, It's a, it's, it's a redemptive relationship. And furthermore, you're in disobedience. Psalm 47 says... In an imperative, it's a double entendre. I don't have time to explain it. But Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all ye people. It means to clap your hands with a thunderous war because you're in a war. And the latter part of that says, shout with the voice of triumph. There's that war because he's king over the earth and he rules everything. So if you're not a worshiper and a praiser, that's another message. You're out of order. As a matter of fact, you're an offense to God. You're arrogant. Ignorant, arrogant, negligent. Mm, sinking in, isn't it? You thought it was culture. You thought it was your little philosophy and theology. You're wrong. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout with the voice of triumph. And the voice of triumph is hallelujah, which is the highest praise. Anyway, I just paused to say that I got the hasten on. You know what I'm going to do this morning? I'm going to take my time and hurry up. Okay, this may shock you like that shocked you. This may surprise many of you. These five stages of relationship is not just with God and man. See, because it's not an individual thing, it's a communal thing. You don't go to heaven alone, you don't go to hell alone, and you sure not on earth alone. We are a community. And I, let me pause to say this. This is not in my notes, but it's in, the, it's in the spirit notes. We in America, ask yourself, God has, the Holy Spirit challenged me, ask yourself, are you an American Christian or are you a biblical Christian? What do you mean that by that, Dr. James? America was built on three C's. Christian principles, notice the language. I didn't say Christianity. Christian principles, the Constitution, and capitalism. We have made a God out of the 
constitution and capitalism, and we are in a postmodern Christian age where the Bible is antiquated and outdated, and people are living unto themselves. The days of judges have come back around, where the people are doing what's right in their own sight. It's the Laodicean era in the church. The Greek word is compound, laos, people, docia, rule. Jesus said you are rich in America, arrogant, and you say you have need of nothing, but come, buy of me gold tried in the fire. Christianity is a suffering way. But we want cash instead of Christ. We didn't got this crisscrossed, and so we're lost. But God said, he, come on back around. Woo, I know that was heavy. Woo, I felt y'all. Woo, that was straight street. I got the move. Yo, Paul went on straight street. Uh, some of y'all caught it. Paul went on straight street when he got saved, right? Yeah, straight street. That's what that means. Woo, uh, y'all got to pray for me. Woo, my time, my time, my time. So, so this may shock you, but the five stages of relationship are even lived out with Satan, Satan, for those who are in and remain in a satanic relationship with the devil himself. Curious, aren't you? you? You'll see. And yet our focus today is the five stages of a relationship with God. So folks, please, please, I beg you, I plead with you, do not take this teaching lightly. Lightly, This teaching, though seemingly very basic and simplistic, is the core of the Christian life. And if you are a Christian, more specifically, it is for your Christian life, both for you, your temporal earthly life and for your eternal heavenly life. As a matter of fact, this five stages of a relationship with God is probably the single most relationship message I or anyone could ever teach both for and, the, and to the Christian and for and to the non-Christian. Why? Because it is for Christians not to quit but to continue in their relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ until Christ come and rapture the church out of this wicked world. And before the great tribulation or until he sends the death angel and you die and your work in the earth is complete. And this most vital and crucial message is for every non-Christian, mm -hmm, non-Christian and uh, for every non-Christian who needs to become a Christian and begin and continue a relationship with Christ until he comes for his church and you be left behind to face the great tribulation or you die in your sins because you did not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, be separated from God for all of eternity. The five stages of a relationship with God. The first stage of a, of a person or any person beginning a relationship with God is, number one, to introduce them to God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you five eyes. Yes, the eyes have it. Let us do something a little different today. We want to use Gary and Gail as a case study or an example of two people being in a five-stage relationship with God. All right? So, you know, 
I'm talking about Gary and Gail, but I'm talking about you and I, right? So again, the first stage of a relationship with God is to be introduced to him. Gary and Gail, this is God. However, God, this is Gary and Gail. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Dr. James, I understand that Gary and Gail need to be introduced to God because Gary and Gail does not know God at all or could at least know of God and about God, but not really know God personally and relationally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But why would God need to be introduced to Gary and Gail or anyone for that matter? I'm glad you asked. You ask another question, doesn't he know everything and everybody? Isn't he omniscient, all-knowing? Again, I'm glad you asked. Help me preach this morning. You see, two things can be true at the same time. Listen intensely with your spiritual ear. First truth, while God is all-knowing and knows everything, all right, and everything about everyone, he, God, also knows of Gary and Gail and about Gary and Gail. Second truth, but does not know Gary and Gail personally, relationally, and specifically covenantally through the New Testament covenant by and through the redeeming, cleansing, forgiving blood of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I know that's deep, but it's the truth. Go back and listen to the tape. Now, I could go deeper into the book of Hebrews, particularly the 8th and 9th uh, and 10th chapters. This is why liberal theologians and anti-Christians and atheists, if they could get rid of one book in the Bible, it would be the book of Hebrews. Of course, Romans too, but the book of Hebrews. I could go into these chapters and prove to you how we need God uh, uh, need, need God to know us covenantally in order to have a relationship with him. But for time's sake, let us cut it into the chase and get right to the point by way of exegeting or looking at Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus Christ, who is God, the second uh, person of the Holy Trinity, said not everyone who says uh, to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful works or wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you who practice lawlessness. You who work iniquity. The New Living Translation says, but I will reply, I never, never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Translation, get out of my face. No, literally. Yeah, seriously, get out of my face. Why did Jesus say he's going to say uh, to those who prophesied in his name, cast out devils in his name, done many miracles in his name, uh, and called Jesus Lord, Lord, depart from me. I never knew you who work iniquity because they knew of God and about God, but did not know God personally, relationally, 
covenantally or daily, not just on Sunday. Ooh, I can say a whole lot. Mm. Ooh, that's heavy, Willie. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not talking about Kenneth Square. I'm talking about the church world and community. Don't know how to treat ranked sinners. And that's why we just going from church to church, changing membership, and we can't get no new people in the church. Because we have done church wrong for so long, the people are saying so long. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. The last seven dying words of the church. Jesus had the last seven sayings on the cross. The last seven dying words of the church. What is it? We never did it that way before. And we can tell because your church is dead twice plucked up by the roots. That's the church of Sardis and Revelations. I don't have time to explain it. These denominations, EPC, ABC, EFG, all denominations are going to have to reconsider how we do church. We need to do Christ. Because I'm going to tell you something. I wonder how many of us are really Christians. Ask me why I said that. Because the sinner, the ranked sinner out there, their number one goal is to live totally independent of God. Our number one goal is to be like Christ from Scripture. I don't have time to explain it. But, but a cousin to that is to live totally dependent on God. But I think we depend on our programs and the session and voting and democratic. Woo, not theocratic. It's too much meism and weism and not enough Christian theism. Whoo, that's heavy, Willie. You tread in deep water. You scuba dive and move on. Why? Because they try to work for God and not be saved. See? <laughs> like I often say, you can't say you're saved and not work for God. Neither can you say you say or claim to work for God and not be saved. You're not saved by works, but you're not saved without works because works is the fruit of your salvation. See? Whew! Neither can you, oh, many people claim to be a believer, a disciple, a Christian, and are working wonders, working miracles, but Jesus uh, only knows about them and know of them, but does not know them personally, relationally, or covenantally through his blood daily. Dr. James, if this is true, how are they able to prophesy, cast out devils, and do so many wonderful works? Uh, I, I, I'm glad you asked, because the word still works. The blood still works. Jesus' name still works. Don't have time to explain that, but it's power in the name of Jesus. Besides, I'm getting ready to say something about God, that if you don't know him, really know him, if you don't have a personal covenantal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, by the way of the Holy Ghost, his holy word is going to shock you. You see, God is nobody to play with. Well, that should shock you too. Because people think God is a loving God. He loves you unconditionally. That ain't in the Bible. That came from an atheist philosopher named Eric Fromm because he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want boundaries. So he called it unconditional love. Dr. Pallison calls it contra-conditional. Contra I have time to explain it. Ooh, there's so much in me. Oh, God, you got to help me here. 
if you do this, I'll do that. That's in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth. God's love is more displayed contra-conditionally. Church got to change their language. We send in mixed messages to the sinner. Now, if God loves me unconditionally and I can be lawless and, and, and there is no boundaries, why do I need to come to him? After all, Jesus came, what? Seeking to save that which of the law. Paul, last time I checked, he said Jesus came to save sinners, in which I am chief. And he didn't mean currently. Oh, God, Willie James. You see, God is nobody to play with. People claim to work for God by using his name to do wonderful works in his name, but are not saved, neither are they even trying to be saved. They're just using God to gain popularity with people and get the praises of men by making it look like they're working for God, but they're really working for themselves and living unto themselves and not working for God. Neither are they living for God. This is going to shock you as well, but they think think they are using God, but I have, good, I have news for you. God will use you before you use him. Ooh, that's heavy. He will use you as you use him, use him, uh, his name in vain to do the work of God in vain while you're not even in the will of God and then tell you, depart from me. That's scripture, folks. Don't get mad at Willie James. Depart from me. Get out of my face. I never knew you who work iniquity because God is not playing with people just as is it's true when the Bible says in Revelations 14 and 13. Check this out. Watch this. Just like this is true. I'm getting ready to say something else is true. Blessed is the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. Listen, according to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and of course, other passages, including Revelations 14, 13. It is also true to say, cursed is the dead who does not die in the Lord. Yes, says the spirit, that they may not have any rest from their self-serving laborers because the, their wicked works do follow them. I know that's heavy. The bottom line, or at the end of the day, there is one basis for true biblical salvation. It is not mere verbal confession of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It is not, quote unquote, spiritual works, but it is knowing Jesus personally, relationally, covenantally, daily, and being known by Jesus personally, relationally, covenantally, and daily. Woo! Oh, God, you're going to have to help me. Mm. My wife said I got three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. Mm, 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 mm. And this is why I said Gary and Gail, this is God, and God, this is Gary and Gail. So Gary and Gail, you and I, or the sinner, is introduced to God by hearing about him, for faith comes by, from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why do we need faith? Because according to Hebrews 11 and 6, Gary and Gail can have faith in God and believe that he exists. And according to 1 John 4, 8 through 9, and John 3, 16, that he loves them, 
All right. And according to first John one, seven through nine, John two, 12, that he has forgiven them for their sins. And as and as stated in Acts 16, 31 and John 17, two and three, that when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they shall be saved and thine house and have eternal life. So after Gary and Gail are introduced to God by getting saved and becoming Christians through faith in the virgin birth, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the second stage of a relationship with God is to interact with God daily. And I'll tell you how to interact with God daily in part two of the five stages of a relationship on June, July the, July the 10th. It's your rule. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray right now in Jesus' precious name that you would grace us to have a relationship with each other, a good, godly, gracious relationship with you, with each other, with, our, uh, with ourselves and the culture and the environment. For you said in your word, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth after the manifestation of the children of God. Help us, Lord. It's a mad, mad, mad world. For the, the nations have drunken from the wine cup of Babylon, and the nations are mad. But when we have a relationship with you, we're glad. And so we thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that it would be in our head, hearts, and hands. And that we will be blessed because we're not just hearers of the word only, but we're doers of the word and doers of the word to the point that you can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rulers over many. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Now give God a Psalm 47 for those of you that are obedient. <laughs>